This is Eye on Education on the Agenda with the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Welcome to the Eye on Education podcast. First one in October 2022. Uh, Tom Urquhart was in the hot seat. Georgia Tolley was away. Uh, Eye on Education brought to you in association with Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Carl Morris from Carfax Education joined us to give his thoughts on how to get ahead in teaching, basically, from the qualifications, the personality traits that lend themselves well to getting ahead in what is often called a vocation for many, but also giving advice on um, why he thinks now is a very good time uh, to become a teacher or certainly explore some of the opportunities therein. We also spoke ECAs, what they extracurricular activities. There are no shortage of them here in the UAE. In fact, it is a growing segment of business for schools and clubs the world over. Uh, David Tagney from Cognita Middle East knows a thing or two about developing and scheduling extracurricular activities. He joined us to talk about what it delivers, not just from an education point of view, but also from a social point of view to those that take part in these events, but also the wide range and the scope that are available now to basically children of all ages and all interests. We're also joined by Professor Paul Hopkinson from Harriet Watt University, Dubai, who joined us in studio to talk all things online. And before you think, okay, what? So like an online degree, an online qualification? No. New online initiative, an online education program developed for and released and launched by Harriet Watt University, Dubai, to help build employees for the future workplace, to help upskill and transfer skills from those existing with qualifications into new roles. This is Eye on Education on the Agenda. With the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Passionate about creating personalised learning experiences to nurture independent and future-ready young people. Right. As mentioned, it is Eye on Education, uh, and we're asking you to get in touch with us. You can text us on 4001. Uh, give us a call. Who's taking the calls? Milani. Milani's really nice as well. Uh, she's not like any of the meanies uh, that pick up the phone down here at other times of the day. Um, so if you want to give us a call, feel free to do so, 04871 Might have something to do with education. Or just fancy a chat with Mills. That's fine. Uh, give her a call. Uh, equally, you can WhatsApp us on 04871 We'll get in touch online. Your thoughts at Dubai I one three eight FM. We do this each and every Friday with the Royal Grammar School Guildford Dubai. In this hour, we're looking at uh, what has made the headlines in education, and are you thinking about moving into teaching as a career? Let's get the lowdown on what you need to do if that's your calling, and it still is a calling in many ways. A lot of people talk about uh, teaching as a vocation. Uh, plus, we're focusing on school. Uh, extracurricular activities, ECAs, weather's cooling down, a whole host of outside, outdoor activities now being added to what is already a significant roster of ECAs on offer at schools and across the country. Uh, we look at the role that they play in education. First, though, let's take a look at the main education headlines from the week. Andy Hosey is alongside me uh, this morning. And we start with His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, the Vice President and Prime Minister of the UAE, also the ruler of Dubai, uh, paying rich tributes to teachers on World Teachers Day, which I think fell on Wednesday? It was on Wednesday the 5th, yeah, in a tweet, 
Sheikh Mohammed said, without teachers, we would not have written the letters of our lives and our countries would not have advanced in science. He added, our generations would not have known good from evil and right from wrong. Thank you to all the teachers. The sign also directed the Emirates School's establishment to form a council for teachers and school leaders so that they can get involved in the education sector's decision-making process. Meanwhile, the UAE's president also praising teachers. Yes, he hailed the role of teachers in shaping the next generation who will drive the country's progress. His comments came in an address to education professionals from across the country. That was also on the occasion of World Teachers Day. Sheikh Mohammed reaffirmed the vital role that quality education and dedicated teachers play in the UAE's progress, noting that investing in education is based primarily on preparing a distinguished teacher. He referred to his own experience during his military training and spoke of his pride from that time as he saw people from his generation graduating and serving their country. He said that during the next 20 years, education will determine the extent to which countries advance in terms of their development and civilization. And we're going to be focusing, as you mentioned, on how to forge a career in teaching. We're going to be speaking to Carl Morris. He's the head of Carfax Tutors and principal of Carfax College, Carfax Education. He's coming up very soon on the agenda. Did you ever dabble with the idea of moving and teaching? My mum was a teacher. Oh, so it should, have, it should have been a family tradition. <laughs> it should have been. Or maybe that's what put me off. I don't know. It seemed that, you know, everyone goes on. It's like the amount of holidays that teachers get, blah, 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 blah. But the amount of work that uh, my mum seemed to have to do day in, day out was a real eye-opener. I mean, I didn't. I assumed also as uh, that once you went into school, you did your little bits and bobs and you were done. But the amount that went on in school, mm. out of the classroom, mm. as well as inside the classroom, uh, all the preparation that goes on, it's a huge amount of work, isn't it? Especially if you become like a head of a faculty or like your mum is a, a head teacher, a principal as well. I think a lot of people, yeah, it, the, the, the age I'll go to, the cliche go to is you get so many holidays, you know, two months off during the summer, uh, all the other holidays, etc. But what you don't see is the amount of time you have to, or how early you have to go in before term starts to prep for a new term. But equally, um, the sort of, as soon as all the children have left at the end of term, a lot of teachers do have to stick around to wrap things up. Yeah. I mean, I remember half of my summer holidays were spent traipsing into my mum's school, helping her getting ready for the next term. So, uh, yeah, I was spending a lot of time more in school than holiday myself. So, yeah, it was uh, just seeing the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes. is quite incredible. Carl Morris coming up a little later on uh, from Carfax Education. Stay tuned for that one. Uh, meanwhile, yet more uh, reaction to uh, what has been a busy week on the world of education, yet more reaction to World Teachers Day. Yes, this is uh, from uh, three UN agencies and a partner organisation who say that teachers are at the heart of education and their valuable work must also lead to better salaries and working conditions. The international community has committed to transform education, a process that must be led by teachers. That's a statement that the UN agencies made. Uh, Audrey Azule, the Director General of UN Educational and Cultural Agency. Gilbert Humbo, the Director General of the International Labour Organization. Catherine Russell, the Executive Director at the UN Children's Fund. And David Edwards, Secretary General of Education International. They all released a statement saying that on World Teachers Day, we celebrate the 
critical role of teachers in transforming learners' potential by ensuring they have the tools they need to take responsibility for themselves, for others and for the planet. They call on countries to ensure that teachers are trusted and recognised as knowledge producers, reflective practitioners and policy partners. They went on to say that the COVID-19 pandemic has revealed that teachers are the engines at the heart of global education systems and without them it's impossible to provide inclusive, equitable and quality education to every learner. Teachers are also essential to pandemic recovery and preparing learners for the future. Let's turn our attention to further education if we can. Uh, news coming through this week uh, of the fourth edition of the KT Uni Expo. Yes, it's giving prospective students an opportunity to explore both undergraduate and postgraduate courses as they weigh their career options. The UAE's leading higher education event will provide an opportunity for students to engage with universities and other education providers to get all their questions answered about different academic options from specialists. There'll be live Q&A sessions, seminars and workshops acclimatising students and parents with different varsities who are at a critical stage of the decision-making process, choosing what to study. The career count. Councillors will also guide on local and international sponsorships and financial aid opportunities. The event is for uh, students, grades 9 to 13, a perfect opportunity for them to meet and discuss their future path with some of the top, top local and international colleges and universities who will be present at the event. Well, that's happening here in the region. Meanwhile, we head down to Australia for the latest there. Yes, now, regional and rural New South Wales health staff have been given the opportunity to develop important new skills in mental health. This is due to a government investment in mental health education scholarships. The Minister for Mental Health, Baroni Taylor, said eligible clinical and non-clinical staff working in regional and rural local health districts will have access to $3,000 scholarships to go towards studying a certificate for in mental health in New South Wales. The Minister for Skills and Training, Alistair Henskin, said the NSW government is delivering more opportunities than ever before to help people get the skills they need for a first job, a new job or a better job. And the scholarship programme is another great example of that. Uh, Meanwhile, one that we've been talking about since the top of the show this morning and one that we're opening up for uh, listeners' views on this one. So do send in your thoughts and opinions, 4001. Interesting, uh, rather scathing report coming through from the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development Midweek, the OECD. What did they say? So they had an education at a glance report that showed a share of young adults with advanced tertiary qualifications, that's third level, across the OECD reached a record 48% of 25 to 34-year-olds in 2021, compared to just 27% in 2000. But Andreas Schleich. Uh, Schleicher, the OECD Director for Education and Skills, emphasised that vocational training needed to be not a last resort, but actually first choice. Basically, he's saying that a lot of people are choosing degrees, uh, pointless degrees, learning subjects that aren't going to be valuable to them in their career. They should be looking to learn a skill instead. So... As we said, let's open this one up to you. Uh, What do you think? Are a lot of people taking pointless degrees at the moment? Does a degree still carry the weight that it used to in the past? Uh, Should we be looking at changing our focus in education? Do we need to be teaching skills 
rather than taking degrees in things that may never help us in our chosen careers. To that end, what did you study? How have you used that degree moving forward? Did you study something and then move into something completely different? Has your degree been central to what you've achieved in life? This is Eye on Education on the Agenda. With the Royal Grammar School Guildford Dubai, passionate about creating personalised learning experiences to nurture independent and future-ready young people. Ion Education on a Friday morning with the Royal Grammar School Guildford right here in Dubai. Wednesday saw the celebration of teaching and teachers as World Teachers Day was marked around the world. Today we're looking at teaching as a career option and asking the question, is teaching a good career choice for those graduating at the moment? What skills should you have or aim to gain? What's the career path like if you're looking at heading into teaching as your chosen career? Send us your thoughts. Text us now, 4001. Talking of thoughts, uh, they are coming through at the moment. Uh, Jess has been in touch with us this morning, uh, and we will have more uh, thoughts coming through later throughout the course of the morning as well. 4001, if you want to have your say. Um, Are you a teacher? Have you been a teacher? Do you want to be a teacher? Have you left the teaching profession? Uh, Get your thoughts into us. To help us with those thoughts, I'm joined now by uh, Carl Morris, uh, who joins us live on Microsoft Teams, in fact. Carl is the head of Carfax Tutors, and principal of the Carfax College, a part of Carfax Education. Carl, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad. Looking forward uh, to the weekend and looking forward to this chat as well. Um, obviously, it's one of those topics that everyone uh, has an opinion about because everyone can relate to a teacher uh, or the teaching profession in one way or another. Um, let's have a look at the sort of current state of teacher training and the differences uh, when in requirements. I mean, how, how different is it today if somebody sets out and says, yeah, I want to be a teacher. Talk to us about what you need to become a nursery teacher, a primary teacher, a secondary teacher, a tertiary teacher, etc. Are there many different qualifications? There, yeah, there are a few. Uh, and there are a few different routes. I mean, most schools will require you to have uh, at least qualified teacher status. Um, which can be done via kind of on-the-job training. You, if you if you spent two years as an unqualified teacher or teaching assistant, uh, you can usually apply to uh, uh, to an to a institution that will uh, put you through the QTS uh, program. Uh, but what most people do is they most people progress onto the PGCE, mm. which is a lot more research-focused. It's a lot more uh, uh, detailed in terms of the teaching techniques, whereas QTS is a bit more of a of an assessment of, of of how you teach pgc is is, is much more detailed um, but there are many places that that don't require qtc or pgc uh, and just require a, a degree in a relevant subject in terms of academic qualifications what academic qualifications does one need to get into teaching the minimum um, is, is is GCSE, so it's it's maths. So it's a, basically a pass or a grade four now in uh, in maths and English at GCSE. Um, but given, especially if you do the training within the UK, mm. uh, it's quite competitive at the moment. There's a lot of bursaries out there. There's a lot of uh, support to get people into teaching. Uh, so it does become quite a competitive application process, especially uh, in the STEM subjects. 
Uh, and so although that is the minimum a grade four, uh, you're looking at you, you do obviously need a degree in a relevant subject. Um, but you you're looking at at least a two one in that degree. But uh, if you wanted to take part in something like teach first, perhaps even higher. We often talk about teaching as a vocation for many. We talk there about the academic side of things. But in terms of uh, quality, personality traits, if you like, what are the sort of the best personality traits aligned to becoming a good teacher? Uh, I think probably the one that everyone sees straight off the bat is is patience, mm. um, especially in a uh, in a classroom environment. Uh, we do a variety of teaching at Carfax from one to one to uh, all the way up to classroom, and, and patience is key in all of it um, because and perseverance because it, it not every student is entirely individual; they're entirely different. And you might have to come up with problems several different ways, even harder in a class of 30, where you might have half the class get it and half the class not. Um, so you need to have that kind of multitasking ability. And then it's really a lot about personal ability. So you need students to be able to, you need to be able to build a rapport with students quite quickly um, in order to be able to, to deliver that and understand, you know, that each each year group of students changes quite drastically compared to the year before, even though they're only a year apart. And you have to have that ability to kind of relearn uh, what these learners want, what they're interested in and how you can bring that into the classroom. So I think a really good teacher is very, very creative and very agile in the way that they approach uh, the, the, the teaching. A lot of people getting into business, getting into corporate roles, getting into industry will look at career paths as well, look at promotions, uh, moves up the ladder, etc. How do you sort of plan a career path when you get into education and teaching? It's actually very, very varied uh, where you can go. Teacher is often the starting point um, of getting into the educational world. So you, you start as a teacher and an educator and then you could decide, you know, I want to go into the management. I want to go into the leadership team and you start down a, a kind of headship route. Uh, but with the real boom that we've just seen in, in ed tech during the, the pandemic, it's really opened um, this this kind of sector to a real variety of jobs. Uh, we hire Carfax, a, a real variety on our team. We have tutors and teachers that we class as, as, as different. We have content creators for our online platform. We have various management staff. We have admissions teams. So that it really depends on what, what part of the role do you like. A lot of teachers are very personable, so they kind of like, uh, the client-facing side of things, so so people often want to want to stay either working with children or or with the parents, so they end up in an admissions or a headship type role. Others are just really interested in the academics and perhaps shaping and changing the educational landscape, and that's where they might go down a more ed tech, you know, slightly entrepreneurial but but very very exciting part of the industry. Is now a good? You mentioned there, you know, some of the upheavals we've seen in recent years. Is it a good time to get into teaching at the moment? We're we seeing a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah, I think there's a real need. I mentioned before it being quite competitive, uh, and that's because there's a real push at the minute to expand the teaching, especially within the UK, but also internationally. The British curriculum is the is the most popular worldwide, and people are really fighting to to find the highest quality teachers. And then on the side of that, you've got this booming ed tech uh, industry. Uh, and so people are looking for really high quality educators to combine with this kind of technological innovation. 
Um, so I think now is a really great time to get involved. And I think we'll see over the next few years so many changes in the education industry that make it a much more creative and less prescriptive uh, career. You talked there about the the global opportunities, the global demand for teachers at present as well. Um, and again, apologies if this question comes across as, as trite and simplistic, but is teaching a good passport to the world? Is it a good way to see other corners of the world? Absolutely. I think what well, teachers are required uh, in, in all over the world and in every walk of life. So we just mentioned career progression. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that you end up in a life of education. Uh, teaching is a really valuable skill uh, in any industry, being able to communicate an idea clearly and concisely and, and, and teach other colleagues is, is really quite valuable. So we see people moving out of the industry into other industries and having a skill that's valuable for life. We see people moving into it. Uh, but I think with a lot of international schools opening, especially uh, in the Middle East at the moment. Uh, I think it is a it is a very good opportunity to be able to travel and work. And obviously, English is a very popular uh, subject taught as a foreign language. So there's a lot of opportunity uh, to hone in on your teaching skills through things like TEFL courses and teaching for IELTS and things like that. Just finally, Carl, before I let you go, um, just from your experience with Carfax Education, the people you see coming through the door and have done, the, and the experience you bring to, to the subject, um, we hear quite often in industry at the moment and other walks of life about upskilling as well. We've talked a lot about which, uh, which boxes you need to tick in order to get on the road of teaching. But in the, for the modern role of a teacher, what, what sort of experience or what upskilling uh, puts you in a better opportunity for employment prospects? I think there is a lot of opportunity to, to volunteer, especially as teaching assistants and, and, and working with children. There's a lot of extracurricular uh, clubs out there, especially uh, in Dubai, and, and taking part in, in some form of assistance with, uh, with teaching children, having worked with children, having uh, perhaps not be the main teacher, but support in that role. That's probably the most important thing you can do. And there's a lot of opportunity to vol- volunteer to do that. Uh, but I think because education and, and teaching it actually runs through our entire life, we're all really lifelong learners, that I think it, it's about trying to understand what skills you already have and how that applies to teaching. So even if you're coming from another kit career, I myself actually started as a chartered accountant, uh, but realized I'd spent a long time teaching our uh, junior audit teams Um the skills they needed to go out on the road and, and on order various companies. And when I moved to a teaching career, that was a big part of, of my realisation that I had already been teaching just in a different career. Carl, can't thank you enough. Thanks so much indeed for joining us from the UK today. Carl Morris, Head of Carfax Tutors and Principal of Carfax College, uh, part of Carfax Education. Carl, thank you very much indeed. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Thank you very much. You too. Big thanks to Carl Morris there and uh, joining us on Eye on Education right here on the Agenda. Live from Dubai Eye 103.8. This is Eye on Education on the Agenda. With the Royal Grammar School Guildford Dubai. Passionate about creating personalised learning experiences to nurture independent and future-ready young people. Yeah, Eye on Education with the Royal Grammar School Guildford Dubai. Uh, We've just been talking about a career in teaching. Let's extend that conversation a bit further now as we turn our attention to ECAs.
extracurricular activities in schools, uh, or certainly within school premises. As the weather cools down, a whole host of outside activities are being added to what is already an extensive roster of ECAs on offer at schools across the country, not just schools, also clubs uh, and other venues. But what role do they play in overall education? To to discuss this further, I'm joined uh, on Microsoft Teams now by uh, David Tangney. David is the former chairman of DASA Sports Services, head of PE at Horizon English School, assistant head to the principal at Horizon English School, and now ops manager at Cognita Middle East. David joins us live, as I said, on the line. Morning, David. Morning, Tom. How are you? Really good, pal. Thanks very much indeed for taking time out of a busy Friday uh, to chat to us. Um, look, uh, ECAs. Uh, some love them, some loathe them, uh, some uh, parents uh, have a little bit of a grumble about them, etc. But just in your opinion, how important are extracurricular activities in a child's overall educational development? I think um, they're extremely important. I think I've benefited from doing a lot of ECAs as a former PE teacher. And for me personally, it's been a massive uh, benefit to me in character development. But from a student point of view or from a parent point of view, if you look at it as an opportunity to choose and create an additional timetable, so whether it's morning clubs or it's afternoon, I think you've got a real great chance for them to kind of build their own uh, lessons and therefore choose something they might not usually choose or not be exposed to. So therefore, they have this opportunity to learn something new and hopefully it's something that they want to pursue and it can be really powerful for them. So in terms of that overall education, I think if you parents look at it as an opportunity to create something that's different or bespoke to a child, they might look at it differently. I like the word or the use of the word bespoke there, because uh, as a parent of three here and have invested quite heavily in ECAs down the years as well, they're all in their teenage years now, I've always been struck by the range of activities on offer here. Uh, Is that just me or is this sort of unique to this part of the world? No, I think Dubai is very special in that way. If you look at DASA alone, there's just 17 sports ranging from under eights all the way under 19s. There's fixtures, competitions going on every week. I think the kids here get an unbelievable experience in ECAs. But then looking at Cognita more closely, if you look at RGS, they have 140 clubs per week, which is just an incredible amount of opportunities. And I think looking at our, from our point of view, from a Cognita point of view, really committed to ECAs. And one of the things we've just launched last week is Enrich Me, which is what I'm part of. And it's exclusive for the students at at Cognita. It's kind of a fully integrated programme where we're kind of bridging the gap between internal, which is that kind of teacher-led external, which is your paid. And then I think Enrich Me kind of fits right in the middle of it, um, where we're looking at the moment at developing a football swim, gift and talented in the trips and experiences. And I think that's where hopefully parents will see the benefit um, an integrated programme such as that, where the football coaches are helping out with the PE lessons, swimming coaches are helping out with the swimming lessons, and then if they wish to pursue that and do an additional lessons, then they have that. And it builds that rapport with the coach. There's that safety element. And, yeah, the kids can hopefully, hopefully flourish. Social skills, do they help build social skills as well? Uh, in terms of benefits to an EC, I think... COVID has hit us quite hard. So the social skills and the interactions with different kids in your year group, different kids in different year groups, new teachers is massive. I also think ECAs 
in general it's just a fun stress relief so kids can get so much bogged down in the academics but have an ECA program whatever it may be whether it's a science art lesson music finding something that they enjoy doing can be a massive help and then finding if they can find something that becomes a lifelong skill or lifelong learning that passion so you talked about your children there and they, they must have done an ECA along the way they've gone yeah that's mm. what I want to do whether it be rugby guitar and then that there is something that I think is really powerful and one of the biggest benefits because it then goes further than education it goes into their adult life so to that end, and you mentioned again that, you know, there literally is something for everyone out there. But there will, of course, be certain characters. We've seen them all uh, within the school environments, within the classroom environment, who don't want to participate in a group activity uh, or an extracurricular activity. How, how do you get across to those and try and encourage those that are a little bit reticent from getting involved that it is going to actually benefit them? I think... It's really difficult to know what a child is going to love and every child is unique and we know that. I think my advice for everyone would be to just try as many things as possible. The best thing about ECA programmes is they're not committed for the full year. It's usually a term at a time. Ask them to go and ask the children what they would like to do. Do it together as an activity. Pick one thing and then try and do it and then maybe change it the following term. Even ask them to do this one this term and then they try a different one the following term. But then also I think it's the coach's job to... Get, I think it's the parents' job to get them on the pitch or on the classroom or into that club, and then it's the then it's the coaches and the instructors' job to make sure that they love and they, they really want to continue it. Um, so yeah, I think it's really difficult to know what's the best, but I think if you just give them as many opportunities, particularly in that primary age, I think it'll have a big impact. I'm a, but yeah, I'm a, a great advocate of ECS. I think, as you say, it has opened the eyes, certainly of my children and, and, and mates of my children, to a number of different activities they might not have got involved in. Um, thorny subject. I'm going to do it anyway. It's a Friday. I'm amongst friends with David. Uh, money. Let's talk money if we can. A good old grumble amongst parents is they're too expensive, are they? I think. I think they can be expensive. I think. You, when you look across them, some of them can be extremely expensive and they add it on. I think it's just whether or not it's the, the benefit of it is matching the money. So I think in all these things, before you make that big financial commitment, and especially in the external ones, do a trial lesson. Don't jump into it for then you, all of a sudden you feel like you've wasted those thousand dirhams to do something for 10 weeks. I think if you do a trial lesson, it'll really give you that understanding. Okay, I think my child is going to enjoy this. I think they're going to get the best from it. And then where, where appropriate, we'll find the value for money. So Enrich Me is kind of, we're trying to find that balancing act of covering our costs, but not looking for um, a, a value return in kind of revenue. It's more just trying to create a really purposeful activity that children uh, enjoy and parents find that's value for money. If we're seeing more and more schools opening up around Dubai, around the UAE, around the region at the moment as well, are there enough facilities available to host these activities? One thing about Dubai schools is they have got unbelievable facilities across the board. So swimming pools and fields and massive sports. So I think there is enough. But I do think as we are growing and as as Dubai becomes more and more popular and ECC becomes more and more, uh, I suppose, demanding on what they want and how much hours they want, it becomes difficult. I do think we're quite lucky here, though, and with what's on our doorstep and the number of schools. And there's also a number of schools that don't utilise their space. So I think at the moment we're OK, but it's going to be it is going to be trickier as we grow. 
And finally, I mentioned end of the week, uh, early finish for schools today in just a few moments' time. What's on the ECA agenda for you today? What have we got today? Is it Mandarin uh, on on scooters or something like that, or just good old well, rugby? Yeah, we've got um, this afternoon, We or this, this afternoon starting in about 15 minutes, we've got some football lessons going on, and then we've got some swimming lessons across all the four coordinator schools, and then we've got looking at developing our gift and talented programme. So we've got, yeah, there's... A number of different things. Football and swimming are our main ones at the moment. Um, and then looking ahead, you know that kids have got netball sessions coming up. They've got fixtures where they're going to other schools. So, yeah, Fridays, Fridays usually are pretty busy. Good on you. I'll let you get to it and prepare for those. Lovely to chat with you, David. Thank you very much indeed for your time you. uh, this morning. David Tangney is the former chairman of DASA Sports Services. He's head of PE at Horizon English School, assistant head to the principal at Horizon English School. And he's now also the operations manager, op manager at Cognita Middle East. Big thank you to David for joining us live on the line. It's Eye on Education. This is Eye on Education on the agenda. With the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. Passionate about creating personalised learning experiences to nurture independent and future-ready young people. Right, as you know, I on education on a Friday morning into afternoon uh, because we have crossed uh, the noon threshold here this morning. It's just after midday. Uh, we continue our eye on education with the Royal Grammar School, Guildford, Dubai. We're going to be looking at what you need to do if you fancy a career in teaching. Plus, as the weather starts to get a little cooler, we've been focusing on all things ECAs and asking what role they play in a fully rounded education. And we're opening this one up to you. Earlier this uh, week, the OECD releasing a report that said that many students are choosing useless degrees over learning skills. What are your thoughts on that one? Do you agree? Send me your thoughts on 4001. Now, though, we're turning our attention to an online education programme which is being run by uh, our friends at Heriot Watt University. It's right here in Dubai. Uh, to find out all about, uh, to find out more about it, we're joined now by the head of the School of Social Sciences and the Edinburgh Business School Dubai and academic academic director of Heriot Watt Online. Dr. Paul Hopkinson joins us live in studio. Paul, thanks so much indeed for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me along. So let's find out more about the online initiative. Uh, why did you launch it and why not? So we've, we've been involved in distance education for the best part of 20 years. Yeah. So we have a highly successful uh, MBA programme, which is offered globally, which has about 10,000 students worldwide. Uh, and other schools as well, besides the business school, offer online programmes in construction management in, in areas like renewable energy and so on. Um, so we launched Territ Online two years ago with the intention of really bringing all of those initiatives together to cater for these non-traditional students uh, and for the changing nature of, of the student population, the changing demographics and also the changing nature of the workplace. So really our mission is about catering for the future demands of the workplace, um, recognising that as technology impacts on, on the workplace and as uh, things like net zero and transition to net zero starts to take effect, we're going to need new skills and we need to reskill our, 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 our workforce as they move through their, their careers. So it's about providing opportunities for accessible education on a global basis and also providing those opportunities for people to reskill and upskill as they move through their careers. And what we know is um, there's, a, there's about, uh, according to people like the WF, uh, between now and 2030, there's about an 8 billion uh, gap, talent gap that we need to face uh, and it's about making sure that we have a workforce which is skilled 
appropriately to to mate, to cater for those needs. So it, it's not just about a one shot deal. It's about making sure that as they progress through their careers, they're supported uh, to do that. And demographic wise, you know, we, we've seen a shift towards what we call non traditional learners. So these are learners that are not just entering education for the first time as an undergraduate, but also looking to reskill and upskill as they go through their life. And in some emerging markets as well, we're seeing a gap between supply and demand. So the challenge there is about providing enough provision to, uh, for people to access um, education, particularly in, in areas such as Africa and, and here in this region as well. So we know that the, d- the demand is, is going to be huge over, over the next few years for education, but the supply side will struggle. So providing accessible education is important for that also. In terms of... You mentioned demographics there, but in terms of sort of target market for the online initiative, who who do you aim to help and, and how do you go about that? So we, we aim to help people that are looking to uh, to switch careers, um, to, to upskill as well, to, mm. to progress their careers. So a lot of the people, for example, that take our MBA are either looking to uh, – progress further in their career, get into management roles, or they may be looking to switch from, uh, say, an engineering-type background into a management-type role. So you've got different profiles of students. Some are what we call career switchers. Others are kind of career um, um, progressors, or, uh, accelerators, if you like. And mm. you've also got people that are um, skilling for the first time, so new skilling as well. So different profiles. And, you know, given that Harriet Watt Online is a, is a global undertaking – it's recognising that there are different demands in different places, so the, the profile of students will differ. Um, and I know that you recently had um, our new provost yep. talking on the radio about yep. our initiative to bring uh, accessible education to a refugee camp. So providing accessibility um, to a diverse audience uh, as well. Um, so there's no one-size-fits-all. Mm. Um, it's just recognising that we need to have educational programs for the future which are flexible and accessible for different kinds of students at different stages in their career as they move through. Is it also, I suppose, an opportunity that for, for people to to see what they have already and the potential therein as well? That sort of educational process for you. We often talk, don't we, on the show, and I'm sure you do on, on, on a regular basis, about upskilling at the moment. But as we heard from one of our previous guests, who was a chartered accountant turned uh, principal uh, online trainer of teachers for the future, etc., it's that sort of transfer of skills, the skills you might have and the doors that that might open that you aren't fully aware of. Yeah, and... In any, edu- any educational program, what you try to do is build on the skills that, that, that students have mm. and the experience that students have. And our approach with Harriet Watt Online is very much about uh, applied, very much about industry-relevant programs. So what we're trying to do is, is utilise that experience through their assessments, through their coursework, so that they can build on that. Um, uh, so that's one way in which we're attempting to do it. The other thing that we do, which is quite distinctive for Harriet Watt, uh, for Harry Online is we offer a matriculation process. Mm. So if somebody has come from a non-traditional background, let's say they've never, never done a degree before, uh, they can take two courses with us um, and providing they pass those and they, they, they can progress onto the full master's program. So we find, provide an accessible way 
uh, of them assessing their skills and their capabilities as well uh, to, in order to access our master's programmes. So if there are those listening out there, and obviously we've seen a sort of uh, a, a real shift um, towards online learning, uh, both for further education and, uh, and, and within schools as well, a lot of that being prompted and promoted by the pandemic that we have uh, been challenged with recently. But we have had online learning up until now. A lot of people go, hang on, how does this initiative differ from an online degree or an online uh, qualification? Is this just taking, it, in principle, it's the same, but it's taking it to the next level? Yeah, the, the way we've approached uh, things is to really try and understand what are the demands of the, the workplace, yeah. not just now, but in the future. So we're trying to align our programs very much towards those demands around renewable energy, around sustainability, around digital transformation. So we're not going for a programs that just uh, cater for everybody for, yeah. in every particular topic area, but we're trying to focus on those areas, the in-demand uh, areas that the, the focus is, is very much on making sure that our, we have a workplace sorry a workforce of the future which can cater for these pressing societal and business needs so it's that that sort of mm. focus so that's how we would see things as different we also um focus very heavily as i say on work-based learning mm-hmm. and, and applied subject areas and part of what we're doing with herit online is to work directly with the employers as well to support them in their upskilling and reskilling needs. So as well as the individual learners, we're also working with with uh, businesses to help them and support them uh, through their needs. If people were to go online, hw.ac.uk backslash online backslash index, just search at the opportunities there. What sort of opportunities are currently available? And is this something that you're looking to expand? Yeah, absolutely. We're looking to, to expand. So I mentioned the MBA, which is, uh, is, is a very long-standing program, 20 years plus. Um, it's a highly accessible program, so it's a self-study program. Students can join at any point in the year. They can, they can study at their own pace. Um, they have up to six years to complete. Um, most students take between two and three years, but it's a very flexible program that can be, can be uh, tailored around your uh, personal commitments, your work commitments. This year, we've just launched three uh, new programs. We launched a program in glo- global logistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we launched a program in digital leadership, uh, which is focusing on digital transformation. And as I say, drawing on some of our distinctive capabilities in that area, particularly around robotics and AI. And we've also launched a program in business analytics. Again, recognizing that data analytics, business analytics is a, is a critical uh, area of demand. Uh, on the horizon, we have uh, next year, we have a, a, a brand new program in business psychology, mm. um, which will be a cohort-driven approach. So there'll be three entry points a year. So we're looking at different modes of delivery, uh, some which are very flexible, self-study, and others which are cohort-based with three entry points I- in a year. So different, different modes of delivery to cater, to, again, for different kinds of student. So... For those listening at the moment, uh, tuning in and saying, this has got my name written all over it, what's the next step? What's the process and what sort of stages would people go through? So uh, the easiest option is to, is to go to our online platform, as you mentioned, and to register on our online platform. Um, what's distinctive about the program is you can take the courses uh, individually. So you can take a, and pay for an individual course. You don't have to pay for the whole master's program up front. Um, but the first stage is to go to one of our um, briefing sessions, our information sessions, where you get a taster of the course, a taster of the program, and you get to meet uh, some of the course leaders as well to find out more about the program. And we have very ambitious targets uh, to, to launch 20 new programs over the next 
five years, but we've been very selective in what we what we launch. So it's very much, as I say, about focusing on those uh, in need areas uh, for for future for the future workforce and the future the future of the workforce and provide a flexible and adaptable workforce. Hw.ac.uk online is that the right one? That's the one, uh, yeah. and of course across all the socials as well. Um, Thank you. Thanks for popping in uh, on a Friday to discuss this in detail. Thanks for the uh, information as well. Uh, and your final message to those, again, who might be listening, uh, might be interested, but about, oh, you know, it's not for me, it is for me. It's just come and ask a few questions. Absolutely. Come and talk to us. Um, we're committed to supporting uh, students as they work through their careers. Um, so whatever stage you've reached in your career, whether you're looking to make your first rung in the career ladder or if you're somebody who's had... 20 years plus experience and you're looking to come back and reskill. Come and talk to us. Paul, can't thank you enough. Thanks very much indeed for popping in. That was uh, Dr Paul Hopkinson, Head of the School of Social Sciences in Edinburgh Business School, Dubai and Academic Director at Heriot Watt Online. Joining us live here in studio and adding to our uh, focus on all things education.